Hi, welcome to 10 CDs for a Penny. This is a special episode because we're talking about Courtney Love and her Rolling Stone December 1994 exclusive interview with David Frick, which was the first interview she'd given since Kurt died. And when it comes to Courtney, everyone has an opinion. So you could talk for days because lover or hater, she's prolific. And that's just the way it is. So joining me in this episode is two very insightful people and culture junkies, Michelle Mama and Kavita Gill. I met Michelle working in television. She's a film director and producer here in Toronto, and she's a wealth of knowledge and opinions when it comes to music. And my very good friend and all-around music nerd, Kavita Gill, who's also incredibly knowledgeable when it comes to music and culture. And as I found out, we kind of can't talk about Courtney Love without talking about Madonna, and we do at length because of the review of her album Bedtime Stories in this issue. I had no idea Michelle was such a Madonna fan, so whether you love or hate Madonna, you've come to the right discussion. So let's not waste any more time and peer through the lens of Rolling Stone magazine into the moment that was December 1994. This issue, yeah, I mean, just going from the first page, we've got Cheryl Crow, we've got Courtney Love, and Hole. And we've got, I mean, I want to talk about Madonna because she's in, she's in the review, she's she's in the review section. To the right motherfucking place. Let me tell you, we swear on this, right? We can swear? Yeah, of course. Lisa Germano. I I totally forgot about this moment. But do you know her? I do. I remembered the songs, but I didn't remember her as like a personality. I really didn't remember her. And I looked her up. And she's got a pretty dark record. So I looked it up. uh, I listened to it and I I looked up, I guess, probably some Wikipedia. And yeah, there was like some very, very dark subject matter on that record. Mm. Um, There's literally a a 911 call like in the background of like someone like a home invasion. And yeah, it was this person. This Lisa Germano. Uh, Lisa Germano. Oh, you had her music on your. I playlist. no. I just. I think I put one on the playlist for you guys to hear. But I listened to a bit of the record. Yeah. Oasis. A review yeah. of their show in '94. I mean. Yeah. Like, there's so much to talk about here because l- it's like Oasis were like, in my opinion, the last rock stars. Do you know what I mean? The last really? people who put their middle fingers up at the audience yeah? and like told people to fuck off. And I've been to a lot of li- live shows lately, and I was at one of them thinking to myself like. Dude, everyone now is like, I want to thank my band. And uh, like, thank you guys for coming and whatever. And it's like such a different like emo vibe. Uh-huh. And like in the '90s, we wanted our rock stars to like throw shit at us and put their middle fingers up at us mm-hmm. and yeah, tell yeah. us to go fuck ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, what were we masochists? Like, <laughs> what's going on? I guess it's always a retaliation, right? Like, because I did read in that article that they were saying that when Eddie Van Halen like was begging oh. Kurt Cobain to come on stage with him, and they're like that he didn't get the gag yeah. that it's like they're making fun of dinosaurs or you're rejecting dinosaur bands like you guys. Do you know what I mean? Like so Nirvana couldn't be further from Van Halen. Right. Like right. Van Halen is just one giant solo and right. Nirvana is just one giant power chord. Like he bought a Lex, she told him to buy a Lexus yeah. and then they drove down their street and all their friends gave him shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like totally shot on them for I it. I remember. That wouldn't have happened to Van Halen. No. no. Right. But I remember like it, I was trying to look this up. There is a thing. We'll get to that article, but yeah, Kurt, she bought him a Lexus. She kind of convinced him into it. Mm-hmm. And then he made her return it. He couldn't stand it. And then he bought a Volvo because he heard that was the safest car. Oh. So this guy was 
okay. heroin addict. He needed a safe yeah. car. Well, maybe because they had their baby maybe at that point. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a good thing. Thinking just ahead. Like consumer ahead. reports. I, I think, think if so. you like zoom out though, like this whole Kurt Cobain moment, there's the Kurt piece and then there's a Courtney piece. I yes. have a fucking lot to say about Courtney. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A lot of it's a mea culpa because I was one of those girls in the 90s who fucking hated her guts uh-huh. and like really? wanted to shred her to pieces mm-hmm. and thought she killed her husband and all uh-huh. that shit. And I have since drank a whole big gallon of like you know mea culpa on this subject mm-hmm. and realized that you know I was buying into all kinds of bullshit mm-hmm. anti-feminist bullshit and actually and I was you know your feelings are a teenager I was a teenager I was all messed up about the death and she was the easy target she was totally. an easy target and totally. then there, there she's on the road and I'm seeing her at Lollapalooza 94 with her leg up on the speaker screaming and looking like a fucking rock star like she's got no problems meanwhile she's just trying to cope her fucking like like she says in this article like there's no way to do this my Mm -hmm. fucking husband blew his brains out i have an album coming out i guess i'm just gonna keep doing what i was doing like what's the alternative do you know what i mean yeah it's tough like um you know and god this is like not to get too heavy but it's like when you do lose someone you love you know everyone copes differently and some people are like if you're an artist and this is your work you do your work you know what I mean? Maybe going to work was like healthy and yeah, helpful I for her. Yeah, I bet she would have been dead if she hadn't. Well, God, up. right? Yeah. She just would have like, what, partied all the time? Well, no, just like, yeah, just shot herself full of shit and just died. Yeah. Like, that With that kind of a distraction. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she says in this article, she was talking to Michael Stipe and begged Michael Stipe to be the godfather of the kid and take the mm. kid if she died. And Michael Stipe refused because he knew that that would be permission for her to shoot herself full Look of drugs that. and kill herself. Look at that. And eh? so he was like, uh, no, Michael Stipe is like the secret guardian angel of this whole story. Also, like he she mentions him a lot. Now, I know they were good friends. And so she mentions him a lot in this article. Yeah, it seems like she really. But don't you remember the story of the creepy story of Courtney before she became famous? And she said, like, which one? Well, the <laughs> one where she said, I want Michael Stipe to be my best friend in like 1987. And then okay. she basically manifested it. And yeah. then they became best friends in hmm. the early 90s. Well, okay. didn't she love that other guy from Echo and the Bunnyman and he didn't, couldn't stand her? Yes. You know what I mean? She so I don't know that Okay, so I don't even know where to go with this. Yeah, it's, this is it's, a I mean, we just really launched into this and we're doing, I just want to well, mention everybody, it's the cover story, yeah, <laughs> uh, December Rolling Stone, 1994 yeah. on Courtney Love and Hole, but really Courtney Love. Infamous I mean, article. They just, it's all her. The timing <sighs> is spooky. This is the first yeah. major interview she's giving to anybody post Kurt's death. Yeah. Other than snippets and like just random garbage. Uh-huh. This is the first sit down interview. They said that it was like three sit downs between Buffalo and Montreal over two weeks. So like they got time. Like imagine getting that kind of time with Courtney Love in 1994. Yeah, I know. That's a get. That's a huge fucking get. For sure. Also speaks to, not to like go off on a tangent, but it also speaks to the power of Rolling Stone in the 90s. Sure. That it does not have. Nor does any rock magazine have anymore. But the kids today don't get how big rock mags were. Everything is just like momentary right now. Like you wake up in the morning, you have Facebook, it runs down everything that's happening and you move on. But you had a month to digest this and there wasn't that many mm-hmm. publications that you were like going through. Yeah. I mean, there was a good handful, but like Rolling Stone and Spin, like these were the these were the big dogs. And to get a feature story 
on Courtney Love, and this is David Frick doing this as well. Obviously, he's been uh, editor, music ma- music editor for a long time. He's been with Rolling Stone since 1985. It's 1994. I mean, this was a big deal. Uh, I, I sent you a, uh, a spin article for just for reference. Now, the spin article was a cover story on Hole and Courtney Love in May of 1994. So this is the wheels are in motion. You got to release a record. They've already made a. They've already done an interview and scheduled an issue, and like I don't know. We were trying to say like when would it have been on stands? Probably mid-April, days before this hit the stands. Kurt Cobain killed himself. Yeah. So just reading that for context of Courtney being kind of, you know, flighty and uh, you know like I'm a rock star and this and that, and then reading this article, which is just a nosedive where her life was just completely turned upside down her Mm -hmm. husband killed himself she had to go on tour and it's really interesting in retrospect because i think now again i think everything is through context i was 16 no how old was i in 94 you know i was 19 um in 1994 and like for me it was like uh it was obviously for a lot of people of our generation the x is like the end of the world but we i could not understand how this woman was going on tour after her husband blew his brains out. It felt disrespectful. It felt, it felt, it, it fed into the whole thing of how she was a sociopath and, you know, wanted him to die so she could become famous and all this bullshit. I mean, there was, if you can take your mind back to that time, there was so much anger and rage and sadness and it was all directed at her. And now I think back and I think, fuck, we were assholes. This Mm -hmm. woman just lost her fucking husband. Mm -hmm. She's got a kid. Yeah, she's problematic and she's mouthy and she says stupid shit, but she's also wildly intelligent, troubled drug addict, Mm -hmm. woman, feminist, musician, who didn't want to be in her husband's shadow, who wanted to record her on record and go on tour. He was a poopy pants about it, as evidenced in this article, saying, Mm -hmm. I don't want you to go on tour. I don't want you to leave me. She made a stand and said, no, I want to be doing my own thing Mm -hmm. and this is when she was 60 days away from him is when he started the when the rome overdose happened and all this other shit happened because you know he was obviously codependent and so i have to say like it's really nice to revisit this issue and this moment and this especially 25 years of of you know 25 years later yeah and say like yeah we were dicks man and courtney courtney you know maybe whatever whether or not she deserved better we should have seen both sides of this so and i was in a different place i was 14 i was i was in grade eight i mean i had just discovered music i was just getting into things Mm -hmm. and for me there i i hate to say it but there is no story of me hearing kurt cobain died and there's no nothing for like hole i liked hole a lot uh you know after that i guess when this came out probably more like yeah first semester of grade nine probably would have been getting into it a lot i remember all the girls who were like nirvana fans all became whole fans it was like this like kind of like little turnaround Mm -hmm. like like a lot of all of a sudden like Mm -hmm. black makeup and whole t-shirts that was really Mm -hmm. awesome so like Mm -hmm. i had a bunch of girlfriends and um who were all in the hole so i started maybe getting into that i don't think i really formed an opinion of courtney until later, until I knew, because again, like this information wasn't like super readily readily available. It was in magazine articles. It was maybe you know your much music commentary or whatever. But if I only listened to music by people I liked, I wouldn't listen to much. Fair. So there's so many people that I absolutely can't stand, but I like their music. 
But I feel like I've, yeah, you, I just felt I singled her out a little too much. Such an easy fucking target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love. I mean, she put the target on her forehead and dared us all to shoot her. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. She kind of like, you know, also if like a, another thing, like, and again, it's just, I, she is, she may, she has a lot of fucking issues and God bless. She's a pathological liar and all the rest, <laughs> but she's also a hyper intelligent human. Oh yeah. And her mouth gets her in trouble. Because she doesn't give a fuck like this. Don't give a fuck attitude that's so popular now with the kids and like, you know, this sort of like millennial feminism, which is like very, very, um, you know, hands off. Fuck you. My way or the highway. They that whole. And I'm not saying that Courtney started the Riot Girl movement. She didn't, to be clear. But she did not. That ethos of uh, it was it was very hard to be that kind of woman. And I can speak from because I was there and I was of the age, it was hard to be that kind of woman at that time. We all looked at her like she was some kind of like mystical gargoyle. Like, Ooh, how did you, how could you say that? How could you do that? How could you say we were just in, we just didn't, she came from another fucking planet. Like Mm -hmm. we were just like, wow, you have the shit that came out of her mouth. The audacity. Was there anyone else doing that though? I mean, not, not women, anyone. What can you say? Like, I mean, and I don't want to compare this person, but like, it's like, or Axel oh, Rose, or Axel someone like Rose that was just a, like to me. He was just kind of like a white trash, white trash asshole, but like <laughs> very talented. But in the realm of women, like and Courtney Love was just don't get it fucking twisted. Obsessed with Madonna, okay. obsessed with Madonna. Um, I the to compare the two of them, I find Madonna extremely confident even till today. She is absolutely unapologetically herself. Courtney, on the other hand, I've always gotten a very insecure vibe off of her always very insecure she always comments like she'll say things constantly even in her music in the article she's like oh well no one noticed me as a stripper because i was fat you know what i mean it's the amy schumer thing it's like constantly beating yourself up before somebody else does yeah it's subtle though because on the one hand she's like mouthing off and being very this and you know making fun of like axel rose's like receding hairline and shit but then on the other on the other hand, she's like writing about like being a broken doll, wanting being the girl who wants the most cake, like all of these very insecure, very much on her looks and like how she looks until to this day. My God, that woman, you can see it on her. She's had a lot of work done. Oh, hells. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a deeper like you can feel this but deeper this vein of insecurity. I don't say it's wrong, no, but, but I'm just saying it's something that again, I, I see very clearly. Hindsight and maturity has taught me like bullies often are, were the ones that were bullied you know what i mean like sure assholes were often people who were abused or had the shit kicked out of them totally courtney, totally courtney in this article talks about growing up in a fucking teepee and running around like a flower child and nobody gave a shit about her or paid any attention to her and like she had this very weird childhood and she's probably very this hyper intelligent child and yeah and obviously like you know not a classic beauty all we will all agree um until she got all her nose jobs and plastic surgery and whatever and became a movie star but mm-hmm. she had a lot of issues with the way she looked of and course. but she was one of those mesmerizing powerful women who can fuck anybody she wanted i'm sure for sure for sure yeah um but the, yeah and even to go back to that i mean a lot of this article is her cutting up other people it's yeah like, like and wanting I'm, to out I, people's you know sexuality yeah. and things like that or things like that like kind of you know, wanting the focus to be on her, but kind of taking the focus away from her bad behavior by saying Axel Rose and Steve Albini should be shipped off to the moon or whatever mm-hmm. she said. I just remember being like, I just think of myself like in the sort of like the front row of this whole performance of Courtney Love in the 90s. And like, 
it was it was exhilarating and thrilling to watch a woman just rip people Absolutely. a new asshole. Be like, yeah, you fucking tell Axel Rose. He is a fucking prick. Like mm-hmm. she just was unafraid and that kind of uh balls to the wall what I will now call feminism at the time I didn't, but uh it it was it was thrilling and exhilarating and there were a lot of young women on dovetailing on the riot girl movement who were looking for a champion or a hero or an anti-hero or whatever it was. And Courtney was right there screaming her pain. Um, she had this like, you know, she had this sort of death glamour surrounding her after Kurt. She had the kid, the heir to the fucking grunge throne. She had pe- <laughs> all, it was impossible to take your eyes off of her for three for years. Real. Definitely. She's, she's got a spark. She's charismatic. That's for sure. But was Do you know she, what I mean? I mean, when we get to that, I mean, yeah, 94 was her year. How much more did we have of her until we got to Celebrity Skin? None. Well, we no, had but I mean, like, we had... Movie career, right? No, yeah. but I mean, like, between those years, we had this flare-up. We had Hull, and we had Courtney, and I mean, like, everything surrounding her. But we had uh, three singles off that record. Two? Three? Like, what was on Much Music? There was... There was live. Oh my god, I'm totally blanking. Violet yeah. and mm-hmm. doll parts. Yeah. Was there another song? I'm thinking like softer, softest maybe. Because I was just listening like, to it on repeat, so I don't even remember what what was. Miss what World was that on? Miss that World. World. Okay, Miss so yeah, so we've got three. We've got three singles, and that like takes up how much of a year? And then but, I think she did. She was I love Miss World. I love that video. She toured that record like first of all with Lollapalooza because I saw her that summer in okay. Toronto in 94 and then Hole did I think after her Lollapalooza run Hole did a whole fall winter spring tour so she toured that fucking she toured the shit out of that record wow and just kept going and going and going probably because she was afraid to stop like sure because again like in the spookiest 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 almost like David Bowie Black Star way like the coincidence of this record Live Through This coming out 45 seconds after Kurt Cobain blows mm-hmm. his fucking head off. Mm-hmm. It was, we no, no one even knew how to process how eerie it was. Yeah, we have to remember that these people are, you know, there are record executives watching this, seeing this, seeing an opportunity sure. in all of this, right? Sure. So it's like, you know, how much like, you know, m- we can argue like, oh, you know, sh- you know, how she was feeling about it, how she was processing, whatever. But you don't know how many people were just like, pushing her to keep going keep going obviously. right off of this oh, right off of bank. this let's make absolutely. oh my god you absolutely tell someone to stop. are you kidding uh, exactly. me we have a huge record to put out be like oh sorry it. just go more like people don't give a shit uh, about they don't you give a fucking you shit. are you've got to go and push this and make money but there's that's, no that's what time I mean. so it's like maybe there was no option maybe she did want to not do it maybe she was like whatever you know we don't know and we, we will never know but it's like there was absolutely i don't know but a i don't not behind her uh, i think no, she no. wanted she to says go it in this article she says i i kept going because i didn't know what else to do sure fair enough but i mean i don't know i just like I, you have to think because you were like you know she's a pathological liar she's very smart she's all of these things you know pr agencies be you know she said in this article i think about how i am viewed publicly and i you know what i mean like i think i don't know i just feel like um what am I trying to say here? I just want to just have some a counterbalance to all of this. Sure. Like, do you know what I mean? As much as you know, she's saying sure. this. It's like, really, is that what's going on? Because what's the money maker? What's when the juggernaut behind when this? She was standing up there, and I swear to God, it's like one of those moments. And I'm like, I've seen a lot of motherfucking shows, but this one is. It's like photographic memory. I can close my eyes and see it. And she put her. F- she, she when when the lights went down, and she put her foot up on that fucking. Sp- <laughs> and she came out 
the sound of that crowd, because this is the first time anyone's seen her in the flesh since the, the death of, okay, let's just be really fucking clear about it. The mm-hmm. death of Kurt Cobain was her rocket ship to the moon. For real. In terms of fame. Oh, no for God, yeah. No question about oh, it. Hells, yeah. And in that moment when she put her fucking foot up on the speaker and started playing her guitar and that crowd went bonkers, she was lapping it up. There was no question ever that Courtney Love wanted to be a star by any means necessary. Okay. Yeah. Did she want her husband to fucking blow his brains out? Probably not, but she enjoyed the fruits of that horrible tragedy. So yeah. this is this is what I'll bring up because this is my main thing about Courtney Love. Okay. Here we go. That she just wanted to be famous by any means necessary. Yeah. She wanted to be an actress. She wanted to be a rock star. Whatever. I have to say, Courtney Love is not talented as a musician. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there. And, and I'm not saying that you have to be a good musician to make a band. Because there's a million bands that I love that just wanted to go and fucking give her and play four chords and play punk and had something to say. Courtney, I just always felt she didn't really put the effort in when she could have. I thought with the amount that she wanted to be a rock star, she should have been a better musician. And that's the whole thing. I just think she she just wanted to be famous. She didn't want to say something to be like really or like, I don't know. I think her band did change things. I think they were unique and I think her voice was really unique, but I think that was all just kind of circumstantial and I think she just wanted to be a famous person. So it would have happened is basically what you're saying. If she put enough work, I like this, kind of think so. Do you know what I mean? Like it would have been either when she was in England doing like, you know, following all of these bands, she would have found it that way or she would have found it, you know, in movies or in some other thing. But then she picked this genre where you don't necessarily have to be an excellent you no, know, and it was major time and place for that for that right. music yeah, because Nirvana right. was again. I feel Kurt's a great musician. Do I think he's the greatest guitarist ever? No, but he was stylish and he was a good songwriter, but, and it fit right into this whole mold of that very short time of like ninety to ninety four, where you could just be playing four chords and be a rock I star. I want to interrogate that notion because who says that you like look at fucking Madonna? She can't play guitar to save her fucking life. She can't do any, play any goddamn instrument. She got on a goddamn bus from Detroit and was like, I'm going to New York with 20 bucks to become famous. Suck my dick. Okay. Courtney Love and, and Madonna have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Sure. I feel Madonna's more talented. I She's feel- a cipher. She, Madonna finds oh, yeah. things yes. and absorbs them and yes. then regurgitates them and makes them a thing. And so does Courtney Love. And this was my whole thing. is not Not to say that she actually did this because Madonna is brilliant in that respect like i can't give her enough respect <laughs> more accolade for like just jumping on the like the next big thing like a year before it becomes big mm-hmm. and like harnessing that and exploiting it it's amazing and like madonna yeah not a great singer amazing performer but is just very smart in marketing herself courtney love she really knows music and she really knows like mm-hmm. style and everything she should have been a an A&R executive. She should have like had uh, a record label. Yeah. Like she could have banged off stuff. Like if she was behind the scenes, I think she'd be way more respected and successful than she is. Like discovering things and like taking an artist and going, I don't know if she'd I, be well, as well known. And I think Courtney Love it. wanted to be well known. Courtney well, Love it. wanted to be, yes. Courtney Love. Okay. Again, psychology 101, because now I look, <laughs> look at everything through this lens after, you know, 25 years in therapy and everything else, you look at a person as a person and not, uh, 
like cardboard cutout and like she obviously has so many fucking issues with being seen and not being seen and like her whole thing was like same thing with madonna and her dead mom like it was like she wanted to be seen for whatever psychological reason it was like a goddamn imperative she was obsessed with it to a fault and she you know she clearly stated in the 80s when she was a teenager that she wanted to become friends with famous people she was obsessed Mm -hmm. with it it was like if you believe in the secret she fucking manifested that yeah Mm -hmm. she was like this is what i'm gonna fucking do watch me yeah she did it so god bless yeah there's a there's one moment and i can't i'm just kind of paraphrasing this a little bit but it's in that curtain courtney doc where they're interviewing this old boyfriend of hers and i can't remember who he is i could probably look it up right now uh, but uh, he's kind of just going through his Courtney stuff and he shows this this um, piece of paper that's <laughs> that just says like it's Courtney's piece of paper and it just says how to be famous. And it literally that's the heading. And then it's just a, like a doctrine down. That's stop amazing. work. Stop working jobs. <laughs> like Just all oh, these yeah. points like how to be famous. This is how we're going to do it. Amazing. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Thing, it was like it was another spooky thing where she was like. She wrote a letter her, to herself sure. or something about how by this and this date, I'm going to be friends with Michael Stipe. And she was. It's creepy. I mean, listen to this quote um, where she says, um, where they're asking her if she feels an affinity now to Yoko Ono, who's another famous rock and roll widow. <laughs> and she rips Yoko like a new one kind of sideways. She was like, I felt a lot of empathy for her, but I don't relate to her. You also have to remember that from now on, people will refer to rock couplehood, not just in terms of Sid and Nancy and John Yoko, but Kurt and Courtney. We're in the pantheon. Like she's always dissociating and always seeing herself from the outside. She knows she's so fucking smart and clever. Mm -hmm. She always knew where she stood in in the public. Um, At the time, the boomers and the boomlets had to stick us in a retro archetype, and those are the only two choices available. The drug using, the cultural parallels. Where do I fit in? Well, I'm neither of those women on any level, nor am I a mixture of the two of them. And then that reporter's like, but Yoko was an artist whose work was judged and reflected in the light of her husband. And then she says, at the same time, why did she use his musicians? Why did she use his time in the studio? Why didn't she get her own record deal? I'm not dissing her. I'm not putting her down, but I avoided that like the plague. Well, there you go. <laughs> you learn from someone else's mistakes, right? Yeah, that's okay? a good point. Right? She learned from someone else's mistakes. Uh, yeah, I don't. I can't speak to like you know whether she's you know like how manipulative she is or whatever. But it's like, I I agree. She could see things from a bigger picture. She's a great manifester, right? And she was able to you know she's really ambitious. But like I said before, I do find like my final word on her is that terribly insecure person on a deep level, which many artists are, mm-hmm. you know, have it's great to have the spotlight on yourself, but it can be too glaring and sure. blinding at times. And I'm sure, you know, anyone as strong as you can be, I'm sure those negative comments and all of the hate that was being projected at her, you know what I mean? Had an effect. Yeah, sure. It was like, Absolutely I dare you. to. Th- she was like standing on a stage going, I dare you to throw tomatoes at me. And they and everybody in the world did. And she just stood there with her arms outstretched and took it. There was a masochism. Yes, there's a masochism. Because she's there. still in the spotlight. Right. What did, what did they say? Any the attention is, is good attention. attention. Yeah, exactly. And Courtney loved negative attention. Right. And it's obviously what she got a lot of her life. And that's what she was used but to. And you see that is. with people. So that's what she kept striving for. Right. Stripping. You know what I mean? Constantly mentioning stripping. That's how she would get out of situations. Like I would strip. I went here. I went to Alaska and I stripped. And it's like, oh, 
great. I have friends who became strippers because of Courtney Love. Because really? they're like, yeah, if Courtney Love can fucking do it, then I can fucking do it. For real? Yeah. In the okay. 90s. Yes. For real? Yeah. And it, she kind of made it cool in a way or acceptable in a way for indie rock girls in the 90s who suddenly were showing up in fucking clubs in Montreal and dancing to pavement. If you're listening to this, <laughs> yes. you know who you are. And oh, my God. Yes. Why was I not old enough yeah. to, yes. to go to strip and clubs? Oh yeah, my Alex, listening to this now. And Alex oh puts on pavement and the fucking strip club DJ is like, what is this garbage? Everyone's yes. going to the club. And she was like, if I fucking Courtney Love can strip, I can fucking strip. And that was like a you know and she was a bit older That's than me so and that liberating was a, that was a moment of like you know fuck you i'm gonna make money with my body and i'm not ashamed of it she did the whole oscar run i mean her movie career oh yeah yes. as brief and whatever as it was and she still pops up every now and then but what's it called um again well which one that she was in uh, man on the moon man on the no, moon oh no it's and people she versus did Larry the Flynn. people right milos so, foreman right, right? when two when, milos foreman yeah right. he loves her right milos loved her right when fucking Courtney Love comes out with People versus Larry Flynn, it was excellent. Everyone's like, "What the fuck is she doing now?" Everyone mm-hmm. grumpily stomped into the theater and walked out, going, "Holy yeah, fuck, she's excellent. she was fucking excellent." Yeah, it's un- indisputable. And so you're like, "Okay, oh, I never." I always think of that scene when she takes her clothes off. You know what I mean? Which and she's one? just no. When she's <laughs> when she's got when she's been she has, you know, AIDS and okay. like you see, and she's like she strips her clothes off and she's just bones oh okay. you know, it's yeah, so heartbreaking so. Yeah. you know what i mean oh it's so heartbreaking this so she was, was great and it was a si- and it was her being silent it I was mean, such a silent is I this gotta say back to what you said uh-huh. jackson about maybe she would have been a better record producer real talk yeah. she would have been an excellent actor if she just focused everything in on that I that's what know, she wanted though. to do well, i don't know though i think so she tried hollywood's harsh you, man it's true and i think Courtney can focus and do things like that, but here's my real talk: uh, Larry, people versus Larry Flint. She's playing herself. Mm. Man on the Moon. She's okay. She mm. she doesn't have much to do in that movie, nope. so fine. Like they didn't really give her a role other than just be like Andy Kaufman's girlfriend. Mm. And then that was it for her. And uh, I gotta bring this up. Uh, it was pretty obvious after the Me Too movement and things happened last year. Uh, that she got her career destroyed by Harvey because she called him out on a red carpet. I don't know if you saw that. 100%. So, like, that's why she... Thank you for bringing that up. And I never knew why she just went away until that moment. I was like, oh, now that's why she went away. Yes, brother. Sing it loud. That is absolutely fucking true. Courtney Love. Wasn't she... Was she Oscar nominated? I mean, she, I don't even. I don't think so. I think I maybe think she was so. like, maybe she got some no, other awards or accolades. So. I think. Golden Globe. She won uh, a fucking Golden, Golden Globe. Globe. She won a Golden Globe. That's crazy. Did. We have to look it up. Okay. We have to look it up. Sure. Yeah, nominated. Nominated, nominated for a Golden Globe. Nominated for a Golden Globe. Okay. And who else yeah. was up? Who else was up against her? Um, I don't know, but she was nominated. Okay. She didn't win, but yeah, yeah. she did the award circuit. Sure. And I remember her because she was. She was like. She and I'm also like a fashion whore. She was in her full fucking versace glory at yes. this yeah all the white like ivory oh, silks with her skin just her f- plastic mm. surgery was on point but yeah she looked fantastic so i totally had a crush on courtney when i was 14 and she was like a punk princess but yeah and then she went to the, the award circuit oh my god was she ever gorgeous like just classy really put together yeah. and the, but that's another 
thing where I say like I went from this person who I just believe is just an actress in every respect. Yeah, she she can turn on a dime. Whatever personality she wants to be on stage, that's her. If she wants to be like the I'm kind of sad and distant. I don't even know how to be famous. I've totally seen her do that on stage. I've seen the punk princess screaming bro, and fuck you. Know what you. actors are? Professional liars. I know. She's I a know perfect that. fucking actor. <laughs> she should have been an actor from the beginning. I mean, listen, I love all the whole records, whatever. Um, fine, but I really truly think like if all this whole baggage and Courtney Love being Courtney Love baggage hadn't happened and she had just become remember she was in Sid and Nancy? Yeah. Like she, oh, was, she, she did a little small yeah. part she, of that. Little, yeah. Yeah. She, she tried to be Nancy. Nancy. She could have yeah. played Nancy. She could have played she Nancy. Killed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she's well she's that's why he was put she was put in another one of his movies, Cox's movies yes. or whatever. And then she, she did something, something else. else. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it was. I remember reading I, it. I think it's in this article but I mean, or the it's last like one. With Courtney, other than People versus Larry Flint, there's just so much baggage with her, even as a producer, like to cast her would have been you you got all this fucking circus comes to town when you cast Courtney, right? So Milos took the risk, but not every director wants all that shit baggage sure. on their film. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying is like her whole Kurt period and whatever hampered what would have been, I think, a really amazing acting career for like the one of the best liars in modern history. But this is the thing. I think getting into show business is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think being an actress is even harder with the scrutiny. You know what I mean? And with, you know whatever Classic and i think masochist move oh is my to get god someone who doesn't want to be looked at and doesn't like the way they look to have everyone looking at them all, all the time, time right right so it's like so you know she became famous it's like the, i think the bigger question is could she have just been an actress on her own because she tried and it didn't work and it's like she, she didn't she didn't famous. try hard enough well you don't she, know that well i do but just from like looking i mean like people who really want to do it i can see where her career was, she started little uh, kind of punk bands in the Mm -hmm. 80s and she, you know, pretty much was in Babes in Toyland and L7 with all those girls. They all broke off and did something. They all really tried to be musicians and then ended up doing it. None of them got as famous as Courtney. But then she tried to be an actress for a little while. It didn't really work out. I think it was just Courtney wasn't becoming famous fast enough. That's what I, exactly, (laughs) that's exactly what I was thinking. I think she was like, you know what, my ticket to doing this. I'm not going to do it with this acting thing, getting ripped apart all the time and going to casting cattle calls yeah. and all of this shit and doing casting couch. She's like, I'm not going to do that. Look, I am a great performer. Like I'm a great imitator. I'm going to look at these guys. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to look this way. I'm going to, you know, do something that's not been done. I'm going to be inspired by riot girls. And this is how I'm going to get in her wedge no. in. And it worked. And it's a completely smart move. I mean, you yeah. see so many people who struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle trying to get somewhere, trying to get someone else to give them a job and it doesn't happen. So then they just do it themselves. And then that's how you do it. You make your own film, you make your own play, you do this, you put yourself out there and then people notice you. So that's, I would think, what Courtney did. And she, she recruited the right people. She got this band together. She got a, a bunch of people who, like, you know, kind of were on her vision and probably she could manipulate a little bit. Eric Erlinson, whatever. Like, he was a decent guitarist. And she just, she had something to do. She put this whole thing together and she made it happen. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, like, the, well, how many people do that thing? And even she says that one of her lines of her song, you know, model actress hooker waitress yeah like you're multitasking yeah, yeah like how many celebrities do you know they're like i'm a this and i'm a that and i'm a that because oh, they're trying to find out which LA, angle yeah. is gonna get them in yeah to fame and then they're like then i can do that as a side project certainly right this is a really great quote where she said they were like who are your mu- early musical inspirations i recall growing up with leonard cohen records and going i wish that was me he, me he was writing about i wanted to be suzanne lived by the river blah 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 and then talking about 
or the girl in Bob Dylan's leopard skin pillbox hat or the girl in sad eyed lady of the lowlands, all these girls riding the Jersey highway and Bruce Springsteen songs. And then I came around. No, no, no. I don't want to be the girl. I want to be Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. And that's that's mm, the that's origin good. story of there fucking Courtney love. It's like, do I want to be the girlfriend? No, I want to be the fucking star. Right. And yeah. what is more feminist than that? Right. But, but she became she the girlfriend. She was that's the girlfriend. Thing, I know. That's, that's she what realized, sucks. Unfortunately, yeah, our culture is such that she's like, fuck, I'm going to have to do this girlfriend thing. I don't think she had to do the girlfriend thing. I think she just became it. And I mean, everybody can kind of say uh, Courtney latched onto Kurt because he was famous to, you know, further her career. On, you know, I do think Courtney is very perceptive. I don't think anyone could have been a perceptive that perceptive to know that she latched onto a rock star who was going to be the biggest person in the entire world within a few months. No, so like it's not that, but she just happened to become the girlfriend of Kurt Cobain. Well, and everybody hated her. Well, from what you guys are saying, if he was like such a heavy, heavy Debbie Downer, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And like super codependent. That's a lot of work she was putting in. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to be in that kind of a relationship yep. with someone. That is a huge emotional, energetic investment. Sure. I think we're giving Courtney a little too much credit at this point because Kurt would have had to put up with her too. Hell and I mean, yeah. for real? I mean, like this for thing, real? we've kind of talked about that. And I'm just I mean, trying to swing. Listen, yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to swing the pendulum the other way because I feel like I have to take responsibility for all the shit I've said about Courtney Love over the years. Right. Truly, truly yeah. feel. I think I'm not in that camp. It. I definitely wasn't in that camp about, you know, shitting on her. So I was, but I was a teenager. Like, I mean, I've just, I've formed way more mature opinions of her now, but mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I was probably like, I didn't even, you know what? I didn't even care about, yeah, about, I didn't give about shit. Nirvana and, and whole and like all that sort of like what that, that dynamic and Courtney Love no. when I was a kid, I had a crush on Courtney Love. By the time Kurt killed himself, I was 14, and I was like, I have no memory of that, and I got into Weezer and Pavement. I want to read this quote from this article because it speaks to the whole thing about the celebrity widow thing Mm -hmm. and her being underestimated. So they asked, um, how many of the people at these shows are just coming to see a celebrity widow? And she says, if Kurt were alive, it would be the same thing. If you don't think I knew what I was getting into when I married Kurt, I mean, the lack of credit I get, Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth, and Julia Kafritz, who plays with Gordon Free Kitten, told me when Kurt and I got serious, you know what's going to happen. And they spelled out everything, not taking into account Kurt dying, obviously. But in Julia Kafritz's version, Kurt, Kurt would OD. You'll become junkies. You'll get married. You'll OD. You'll be 35 and you'll try to make a comeback. And it was that was her worst case scenario. And I was going, yeah, I know that that's what's going to happen. And I don't give a fuck. I love this guy my prince on a goddamn white horse and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do both be with him and do my thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. Like the minute she got involved with him, if she had, if she had skyrocketed to fame on her own, it would have been one thing she attached her, she, you know, attached her buggy to Kurt and it, and it happened faster and accelerated faster. So question, fast. question, how old were they when they got together? But mean, that's what I'm saying. What twenty-year-old is going to be was like? I'm not going to do him. this. So uh, was she way older? No, was sorry, she like sorry, sorry, three, three years old. Yeah, that's she was it. twenty-seven. Okay. and he was twenty-four. Okay, like, but that's the thing. Like, how many twenty-year-olds are really like? You know, what I mean, she's got these like other people, t- and that's Listen. great. But it's like, how many of them are going to be like, look, 
I'm not going to do this. Lest because, we all be judged by the people know? that we hooked up with when we were fucking 24 <laughs> right? years old. Right. Okay. And the motivations behind yeah. it. Totally. Right? And I just want to say too, that this is Kim Gordon giving her advice. Kim Gordon is a year older than my mom. Yeah. And <laughs> Courtney right? was, yeah, like 27. So yeah. at this that point, like this is an older person, like giving you advice. That's what I mean. And saying it's to you, like, like, it doesn't matter if you're the fucking brains of the operation. The guy's always going to get the credit. Like right. no matter what. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Totally. Right. Oh my God, all the time throughout history. Kim That's Gordon how it's can been tell you like, Yeah, nobody knows it like fucking Kim Gordon. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Who <laughs> like, got her ass dumped for a fucking 20 year old fan. Uh, don't, get <laughs> don't get me started on fucking I'm literally, I'm literally wow. looking wow. At, the, at the book on your bookshelf yeah, right now, exactly. Michelle. <laughs> don't get, like, get me started on that <laughs> fucking nonsense. All right. Damn. Okay, guys, I don't know. Yeah, how much more? Do we, we still do? have steam in the kettle for Madonna? Because guys, yes. oh yeah, I've got I don't lots. Know if you guys are I got lots. My I got Madonna lots. rants. Okay. okay, all right. I'm I'm a little scared. But you should be. Okay, so we've talked about Courtney, uh, who's the cover story, but it's really amazing in this issue that we go to the back to the reviews and we have a review of Madonna's bedtime stories. <laughs> I'm literally that was a squeal. So. Michelle invited us to her home to do this. And as soon as I walk in, I see a Madonna shrine to my left <laughs> on a wall. So Michelle's excited listen, to talk about <laughs> Madonna. Listen, I'm going to like, where do I begin with Madonna? So I'm of a certain age and I was a fag hag before I was a queer. And let me tell you <laughs> something. Uh, the people from my age who were part of my cohort coming up, Madonna was everything mm-hmm. i mean she was because she was subversive and she was we, we didn't give a shit that she wasn't a good musician or she couldn't sing it was what she represented she sounded and good on records yeah she sounded good on records and like in the 80s when nobody would touch gay people she was out there raising money for aids with elizabeth taylor nobody else gave a shit about gay people nobody else was you know was ringing the bells and singing the songs and doing the benefits and you know i feel and this is i say this to all the gay men i know who abandon her because now they're ageist and they think she's old and washed quote unquote washed up it's like y- these motherfucking people need to give respect put respect on her name and remember what she did for the gay community that's just like my public service announcement okay but more than that um she's a goddamn like chameleon survivor cockroach of the highest order She's a Leo. She's a proto-feminist, like just everything. She's a fame-hungry, power-hungry, money-hungry, all the things. She has all of the appetites, and she doesn't give a shit. She's the original don't-give-a-shit queen. I love her. I worship her. And she's so problematic in so many ways. I get it, and I know that she co-ops culture, and I know that she does all that stuff, but... Um, but it's like having I don't a see crazy old that, really. aunt that you just adore and you know you forgive them some things because of their contributions to your life and to the culture at large see there's so many people it's funny you just bring that up quickly like someone who co-ops culture and there's so many people i can just like that i hate them for it and i'm just like you're just doing this i'm like this isn't your culture and yeah like what am i gonna say it's like a bunch of like shitty white kids right now making terrible hip-hop like that's where i'm at but somehow I could just completely forgive Madonna because she does it really well. And she does it before everybody else does. Case in point, this record. And I look at this 
record. This is 1994 Bedtime Stories. It's a hip. It's like a, it's an R and B record, and the whole thing. And it's it's really obvious in the lyrics, especially in human uh, human nature. This is her coming off the sex book. This is her coming off a whole bunch of controversy, which did nothing but elevate her. But it was amazing. And then she was like, okay, I got to tame down a little bit. I got to get, get back to basics a little bit, get back in the favor of the public. Yeah. Everybody sort of hated me, but it didn't do anything to my fame or my brand. If the, if the sex book was the orgy, this record is the afterglow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Motherfuckers. Like I did that. I stuck that toe on my mouth. I stuck that up my butt. I did all those photos with Steven Mizell. You guys can't even look at them. They're so scandalous. And now I'm just chilling here with my gold tooth, making some sexy ass R and B. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) Love it. And yeah, Bjork. Yeah. I'm going to get her to produce this single. And yeah, this, you know, and Michelle and Michelle and again, cello. Yeah. I'm going to get all these cool ass motherfuckers on my record and I'm going to play some sexy ass music to like come Mm. down to after that sex Mm. book. I have these conversations with my gays when we talk about the Madonna Pantheon, which we do quite a lot. In fact, um, the ones that are still on, on the Madonna train. And this is the record that everyone always forgets. And I always have to remind them of it because I do think it's the subversive, sexy, one of her best. I would say this is in her top three. I really think this is one of her best records. Mm. Always have thought so in terms of like top to bottom, like all killer, no filler. Like, you know, her earlier records were huge monster pop hits. And then after this, you know, sometimes things went sideways with the exception of Confessions, which is like absolutely stunning. One of mo- her most stunning records, Confessions on a Dance Floor. But this record is so good. It's right. so sexy and sleek and sophisticated mm-hmm. and charming. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, you said it was the afterglow. Now, question for you guys Did she come up with an album in 1992? to go along with her sex book or was it just the sex book? No, it was erotica. That was the album. Yeah. It was erotica. Right. And that was what the, uh, that was what the, the concert doc was, right? right? Con- well, no, the concert doc was before that. Oh, really? Was, yeah. Truth okay. or Dare was before that. Oh, okay. And then it was, Truth or Dare came out, then the sex book and erotica. Okay. Uh, and erotica was like, there was the single and then there was a very scandalous video that got banned. Remember yeah, this? Yeah. It got banned by MTV. It got banned by much music. So she did something that no one had ever done before, which is she released a video single. So she fucking, they banned her and she's like, all right, motherfuckers, this is just another <laughs> chance for me to make some mm-hmm. goddamn paper. Mm-hmm. So she put that shit in record stores and sold that video single for, I think it was whatever it was. I bought it, whatever it was, 20 bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you went and you bought a VHS or you bought a little <laughs> DVD <laughs> totally. and you went home and you watched the uncensored, unfiltered video. Oh, That's God. great. Talk about, like, she just like, it was like a cash machine. She's just making that controversy money. makes money yeah and oh my god of course happens. it makes it and like everyone gets to they're like why what's the big thing the when you censor anywhere, something all you knew oh was like when dirty to watch but that's you were it like gagging when, to watch it yeah that's yeah. it when puritans censor mm-hmm. things that's the exact number one thing people want to do and see it creates so much yeah. more hype totally right even and when the just sex book came out you couldn't they didn't have any open copies in the, no, in the bookstores not allowed. it was, it was on foil, a high right? shelf it was in in foil behind the desk a lot of times yeah. Nobody could look at it. It was like, it was crazy. But in terms of integrity of work, mm-hmm. that's what got lost with bedtime stories. People were still s- so busy talking about her tits that they forgot yep. to go, hey, this is a pretty good record, man. And I mean, let's be honest. Uh, when you look at that video for human nature, that's, I mean, 
it's not scandalous, Ooh. but it's it's bondage and yes. it looks good. Yes. So we're still on that train. Now that's produced by it's so it's Nelly Hooper. He's the producer and I guess it's Babyface. I don't know who produced which songs or like who had major credit. Uh, they both kind of collaborated. It's soon like when I listen to that song uh, the other day when we were like about to do this. I immediately thought it was like, that sounds like Dr. Dre. Like, I mean, she was on point. Like, I mean, this is the time when like Dr. Dre and that Dre sound was huge. Yes. That California. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that, yeah. that synth in the back, whatever. Like she latched onto that, like at the perfect so moment. A good this, ear. Oh, perfect. An excellent eye for talent. And so a good it was like, ear, it was, right? it was trip hop and it was R and B all over this record. And I listened to that, that human, if you listen to the song, human behavior or human nature, um, it's this really sexy, like Dre esque produced song, but then you watch the video and it's like a bondage, mm-hmm. uh, like performance art stage dance. But it's also playful, not not dark. You're not right. Whatever. Yes. It's a white background. Yeah, it's black she's and white. She's got this cute little dog. She's got this little thing that mm-hmm. she like little whip. She's yeah. she's Prop. taking yeah. the piss. She's having fun, and sure. she's like, "You guys think I'm this like crazy sex like sex crave dominatrix? Okay." I'm going to throw it back in your face. And then, of course, as I get shivers when I say this, the final <laughs> moment of the video where she looks right in the camera and says, absolutely no regrets. Yeah. And all the Madonna stands are like, yes, yeah. please. <laughs> we were like, bitch, yes. don't apologize for your sexuality. She will never. Oh, no. give me a break. Madonna She's a apologizing. Woman in her She's at the peak mm. of her fucking sexual power. She's never looked better. She's fucking whoever the shit she wants. And this is before she got married to Guy Richie. She was uh-huh. just like. You know, post-imperial period, but still just like the most, you know, potent Madonna that there ever was, cool. was this kind of moment. And, and you know, Madonna's gone in and out of fashion, um, but I think, I don't think she was ever cooler. And I mean that sincerely, other than Desperately Seeking Susan, which was like, I think the coolest <laughs> she ever was. This is like the other moment where she was just deeply cool. And I look at this, these videos, and I look at her right then, and yeah, like just unflinchingly cool that secret video oh my Mm -hmm. god man like i'm telling you like again as not a madonna fan like not someone i'm not buying her records i i do enjoy her music all the like i mean madonna's career is is singles like i know her singles i don't know her records but again i was a 14 year old kid 15 year old (laughs) boy watching this and going welcome and i was just kind of like no like whatever this isn't pop. This isn't anything. This is just gorgeous music. Yeah, and then she's grooving. And like, don't forget, Madonna is a dancer first. Yes, that's sure. right. She feels music in her body first. And like, she's dancing in that video. She's got her gold tooth. She's got mm-hmm. her sexy fucking ghetto vibes on. Yeah. She's like grooving. She's feeling She's feeling that record. She's yes. feeling that track. She's feeling herself. She's feeling herself. She's clearly she feeling, feeling herself. herself right? Mm-hmm. And that is one thing. Madonna... I always am drawn to and inspired by people who are unapologetically themselves. Mm-hmm. And we can say that absolutely about Madonna. For sure. Zero fucks, right? Yeah, yeah. She's super zero fucks. Mm-hmm. She's always been like that. Mm-hmm. And like we, you know, we had mentioned, I had mentioned this earlier, uh, other than David Bowie, one of the only celebrities to successfully know how to reinvent themselves. And interestingly, just mm-hmm. because I'm a Madonna psycho fan. I love it. Um, she was a David Bowie psycho fan. 
Really? Yeah. That makes she sense. was obsessed with him that in the 70s. Sense. Oh, God, obsessed. of course. Let's be honest. She, like, that, that does not surprise me It was the first concert she ever went to. Oh, God, she was in crazy. love with him. There's a photo of her meeting him in the 80s when he was on his a serious Moonlight tour. And like the look in her eyes, it was like, she, you know, I mean, That's she was really obsessed lovely. with David Bowie. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. I admire her even more now. Right? Yeah. Like, great yeah. taste. So mm-hmm. we can say this. Madonna has excellent taste she's got mm. a great yes. eye she does nods to the culture especially voguing etc she does nods mm-hmm. to different cultures and some people will go appropriation but i think in terms of like you said in terms of like you know gay queer lgbtq culture she was definitely an ally you know before that was a term you Absolutely. know what i mean and before you know cultural appropriation was a term she, i think she was like bringing these wonderful, incredible facets of a culture that was being subverted because that was when AIDS was coming out, the gay cancer is what Mm -hmm. it was called. People weren't taking it seriously. And she was watching a whole generation of her peers, gay men, And very best friends. Like Keith Haring was one of her best friends. Like people dropping dead around her. Like if you talk to people from that period of time, and I'm even a bit young for this because – you know, I was a fag hag, but not until the mid to late nineties when I was out with my boys and I was like, you know, out of my teenage years, but she was like right in that cohort and all of the friends that she used to go dancing with at the danceteria and all the friends that she used to party with all her gay boys dropping dead around her, like heartbreaking, really, man. truly in New York at that moment, it was like actually like, sorry mm-hmm. to use the term ground zero. And it was really bad. And you know, she, she, she was, you know, right there with them. She was not a person who ran away from it. She looked it in the eye. She she talked about it all the time. She had benefits. She she brought AIDS into the consciousness. I think she even put pamphlets. I I'm having a memory of like a Madonna record having a pamphlet about AIDS in it. Like I think she just she just put it out there. She was not afraid to talk about it. And yeah, I will never forget that. And I think gay men of this day and age who like to talk about her face and how old she is and go home and shut up and we're sick of you, whatever. They need to remember that they need to remember, um, her contribution, her contribution and, and her solidarity and her allyship at that time when people wouldn't even touch gay people. Hey, you know what? I want to say just quickly about that Madonna uh, mm-hmm. secret. That song still holds up. Hell yeah. It isn't in, in, no, but just incredibly good organic production i i recently in another episode uh, on one of these billboard lists we talked about the spice girls and i listened to that song i was like this just sounds like like manufactured synthesized crap right and i'm thinking they were huge they had all the time in the world and all the money in the world to put really good production in and i'm listening to this going like this looks like it was like banged out in a day and it's synthesizer but that's the thing i think it was banged out in a fucking day ego madonna has always and will always think of herself as an artist. Sure. The Spice Girls just wanted to be famous. Like well, I mean, stars. they had no Someone just pull. put songs Someone. in their... Oh, for sure. I, I think people just put mu- lyrics in their hand and created music and made them just whatever. Oh. Madonna was like, this is my art and still talks about it Absolutely. like her art. So there's sure. integrity and with I'm Madonna not, is what I, I think you're trying to say, yeah? Correct. I'm not disputing that and I'm not disputing at all that the Spice Girls were 100% a manufactured band. A group, whatever you want to call them, but I just think like, couldn't they have done a little more with this to make this a little more timeless? I listen to that secret song and I'm like, this still holds up. This still sounds great. This sounds like '60s R&B. This sounds timeless. She picks well. And I listened to that thing really and I was well. like, this is like late '90s. You had 
tons of she money well, and tons of things. Her like video you directors, didn't... her producers, sure. she picks them very well. Well, what I want to say is this: to your point of an artist versus just wanting to be famous, she has this. Um, what was I? Fuck! I just lost my point. Sorry, that's okay. But I think it's not integrity. What am I trying to say here? Oh, legacy. Madonna sure. wants to have a legacy. The Spice Girls or whomever else just want to rocket to fame, like you said. They just want to be popular girls. Like, sure. you know what I mean? I mean, th- that's that's apples and oranges, and that's that's a whole other yes, conversation. That's like yes, that's people who just audition for something. We're like, hey, I'll give this a shot, exactly. and then they became yes, huge. For like, sure, that's for sure, for that's sure. another whole thing. But yes, but legacy and integrity versus manufactured certainly pop garbage. Okay, <laughs> one more thing, as we always do, friends. What was number one in the charts? December 1994. Now I'm going to work back from five. So this is top 40 albums. Billboard, top 40 albums. Number five. You're going to say them? You're just gonna I'm just going to say them. I, because no, it's going to be painful? It's, it's, it's too hard. Okay. But no, I uh, don't can worry. We, can you throw, can we, can you sure, can, sure. Can we do a guess for number of one? Course, of course, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't worry, don't worry, right. don't worry. Now these are not what we talked about um oh sorry <laughs> actually there it is uh, <laughs> so uh number five this is a big uh this is probably one of the biggest al- alternative indie bands coming out of the 80s getting really huge into the 90s chili this, peppers nope pumpkins nope athens georgia oh rem yeah monster number five Aww. Monster, yeah. I re-listened to that recently. So and it's good. so interesting. I just read an article on Courtney Love saying that the um uh what's the thing with the oh sorry, what's the what's the song with the eyeliner? Crush with eyeliner. Yes, yeah. She goes, Oh, everything's about Courtney. Just so you know, yeah. I know that Michael Stipe wrote that song about me. I'm like, yes, girl. That's right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> when you had to tell Lana Del Rey that uh, you take your props, that girl. uh Heartshake Box was about your box. So yeah. yeah. And also Thanks. Everything's about you, Courtney. Yes. Number four. This is a huge band. Uh, this really catapulted punk into the 90s. <laughs> Nothing. In, 90, in 94? 1994. Fucking Catap- huge. You couldn't escape this band. It was sold out everywhere. Ca- catapulted punk? Into, into the 90s. 90s. But not like poppy punk. Like I want to say mm, yeah, well, Green Day. You can, like you can, that sounds poppy punk to me. Okay. what Other than Green Day. Offspring. Oh, <laughs> those turd burglars. <laughs> <laughs> that was hey man, Epita- I erased them from Not my Epi- all Epitaph my Records. That is the best-selling independent record of all time. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Yes. For, for real? Yep. One hundred percent. I couldn't even buy that record in Kingston. We it was like trying. a what was the album cover? It was like a skeleton. Yeah, it was or a skeleton. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like an X-ray. Yeah. So I mean, you can say whatever you want about them. I liked that record. Yeah, yeah. I really didn't like yeah, yeah. anything else. But yeah. every single one of us got that in Green Day, and then got into punk. Pretty fly for a white guy. Terrible. Oh, song. that was like four I, years later, and that is like the biggest piece of shit song I, in the this, entire world. This is like Easily. I was in university, and yeah. I was rolling my eyes at the fucking Oscars. Oh song. man. Yeah. Oh, really? Man. Like oh, at, oh, at, oh, at that? Not a mo- like did yeah. I just didn't have a hot second for them. I was like, okay. Who are these jerks? <laughs> okay. Turd burglars. Yeah. Not interested. That's what I think. All right. Number three, ladies. Bedtime stories? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people Madonna. loved her. See, people Madonna. still loved her. Look at that. 
number three after all of yeah. that shit and but controversy. But I don't think the record ever made it to number one. Yep, it well, did. It, it did. did. Yep. Eventually, eventually, you go, girl. it did. I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. It was number one the previous week. God bless. People love her. Number two, massive R and B band. TLC. Salt and Pepper. No, keep going. No, that's rap. That's more happy rap. Men, oh, boys to men. That's right. Mm. Boys to men, for sure. Down on bended knee. Oh, yeah. End of the road. What a oh, yeah. It's like, record that yeah. was. What was it? Was it end of, like, end of the road was on that? Oh, no, that was, that, was, that was the one before. What was Just on that one? Bended knee. I'm down on bended knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proms. It's all like oh, prom. It's oh, so right. prom-y. You're right. It is like a, so it's a prom, prom anthem. Yeah. Oh. Jackson, can you sing the rest of them to us? Yeah. Girl. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please forgive yes. me. All right. Yeah, <laughs> that's every R&B song from the 90s. Um, number one, massive hip-hop star, 1994. Bobby, this is no, it's too late for Bobby Brown. S- sophomore record. Had an insanely huge uh, debut. This is his, this is his follow-up, man. Hmm. Murder was the case, Snoop Dogg. Oh. I was going to think, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God! He's coming out with a. Okay, I heard. I heard through the rumor mill. He's coming out with like a literal, like kind of Broadway show, or off Broadway show called Redemption of a Dog. We'll all go and smoke his, his Snoop branded weed and yeah. watch dog. His yeah. Amazing. Broadway yeah, show. him and the Trailer Park Boys branded weed. Um, I kind of want to just run down the top ten in the songs. Yes, the singles. Now, every time again, I go back to the '90s. I go back to what I was into. I was not into any of this. I was just into guitar rock. But every time you go through the charts, it's it's not what I liked. It's it's pop, it's R and B, it's tons of country. Surprisingly Ooh. no country on this. But I gotta say, this this list is chock full of ladies. Ooh. So the Billboard singles this this uh, this week is uh, number ten, Janet Jackson. You want this 70s love groove? Mm-mm. Don't even know that one. <laughs> I Want to Be by Brandy. Oh, yeah. Okay. I really like that one. Okay. It was a key song. Yeah. Number eight. And we didn't even get to her on this episode, but she had a feature in this. And I freaking loved this song. And I loved her. All I Want to Do oh, by Sheryl Crow. I knew it was going to be Sheryl Crow. fucking classic. Oh, my God. I love Sheryl Crow. And God she bless. Was that, she was like Lilith Fair. That wasn't my so favorite. So gorgeous like in that, that video. Oh, yeah. I was in love with her. I like the other two songs more. You really? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like that song a lot. Yeah. I mean, she had a lot more through the 90s that I really liked. Yeah. Uh, Strong num- enough to be my man. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, Secret by Madonna. Oh, delightful. Number six, I still love this song. It still holds up. Creep by TLC. Still Ooh, love that TLC. song too. Such a good track. Really good. Excellent. Really good sample. That really that, that horn sample yes. on there. Yes. I can hear it in my head right now. They're yes. all in like silk pajamas in that video. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. And then the rest is, yeah. And then um, Voice to Men. Mm-hmm. I'll make love to you. Yeah. Uh, Always by Bon Jovi. Bar. Oh my God. Greatest video. No, oh, no, no, it doesn't even matter, but it's Carla mm. Gugina. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a babe. Oh, at her. Totes babe. Yeah. Total 1994, babe, Carla. Oh, yeah. I just want to say, here comes the hot stepper in Kamozi at number two. <laughs> what is that song? Here come the hot step up murderer. 
I'm the lyric code guy. I know that song. He was okay. totally from Brampton, I'm sure. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was one and done. That. Yeah, number one. one never, done. nothing done. else. All right, that's it. And who's the last one? Oh, number one. Number one. Oh, no. oh, God, Jackson. Wow, actually, this is crazy. Yeah, it's my jam. Unbended knee. Wow. <laughs> Boys to men. Those Jackson's to men. They, just they had one and five. They were, they were killing it. Two. two. Well, oh, not man, yeah. What is this, 1994? 1994. This is a much music dance party. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone's Much music standing. video dance party. That's a good note to end on. <laughs> All right. Peace out. Nice. Thanks very much, Michelle and Kavita. Loved it. We'll yeah, do it again fun. soon. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.